Do you want to be unstuck? Do you want to be unstuck? Um, and I know for me, this is great for me instead of just sitting there and vir- talking to a camera on a virtual service and, jo- and just being sitting down because I'm more of a mover, right? And I just felt even stuck just doing that like, oh, man, I just got to read off my lesson here and uh, just talk to a camera and hopefully people are tuning in with their robes on or whatever, right? Um, so this is great as well. Um, and so to look at what we can do to be unstuck, let's see an encounter Jesus has with a man by a pool. Right. So let's flip to John chapter 5. John chapter 5. Um, so we have here in John chapter 5, verses 1 through 7, and it states, After this, a Jewish festival took place, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. By the sheep gate in Jerusalem, there is a pool called Bethesda in Aramaic, which has five colonnades. Within this, within this lay a large number of the disabled, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been disabled for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and realized he had already been there a long time, he said to him, do you want to get well? Sir, the disabled man answered, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I'm coming, someone goes down ahead of me. And so we see Jesus and he walks up and I'm assuming his disciples are there just watching him, right? And he walks up and he just sees this large crowd of people surrounded by the pool. And it's these people, like it states, that are disabled. They're paralyzed. They're out of their luck. And they raid around this pool because legend has it is that an angel comes down, stirs up the water, and when it bubbles up, that's when you dive in and you come out healed. That's some powerful water there if that story is true, right? And so Jesus sees all these people just looking for something, looking for something to get them out of their situation. And then he walks up on this man. Out of all the people he looks at, he picks this one man out of the crowd. And it's the man who's been there for 38 years, who's been doing this for 38 years and has had no luck. And he knows that this man has been having a hard time because he can see it in his face. And I can just imagine what that face would look like. I imagine it may be similar to my face when Risa says, hey, let's go to Dirt Cheap. Um, And if you see me in the store with Risa when we're shopping, I'm not a person who likes to shop. I'm like, I get in and I get out. Um, I know what I want, and I'm going to get it, and in like maybe, maybe 20 minutes tops I'm about to be in there, 20 minutes if I'm just really browsing. But, you know, Risa, it's an adventure, uh, and I appreciate that, but it's like, you know, we, we might spend the day there, and I'm like, I didn't imagine my day being spent here at this store. Um, so if you catch me and Risa at the store, you may see me as she's piling things on the, on the buggy, just pulling it, and just, uh, yeah, yeah, that looks good too, I guess right? Um, right? Or you may be used to even a face like this that your kid makes when you're talking a long time and they're waiting for you to be done fellowshipping, right? They may look like this, um, and just like, man, mom and dad just love fellowshipping, and we're always the last ones to leave. So you may see them even, so you may picture a face even like that, or even that face where, you know, you have that ride, and you're, and you're chilling at the restaurant, and your ride is the one that likes to talk to everybody, and you're like, man, I've been ready to go since the past hour. Um, and they still chatting it up with everybody. They even chatting up the waiter over here. Um, 
right? And so it's just these different situations that we can have our face about. And I imagine Jesus seeing a man who's just broken, hopeless, and just feeling like, man, I just don't know what to do. Just feeling confused about life. And so I ask, do, we, do some of us feel that same way or have felt that same way? Do I, the question to ask ourselves is, do I feel stuck? Do I feel stuck right now? And we could feel stuck about job situation or lack of. We could feel stuck about the life, our life, and not having a clear vision of what we're going to do with ourselves. We could feel stuck about our relationships or our marriages, our families, our kids, right? We could feel stuck about our relationship with God. We could feel like, man, I go to read and I feel like I get nothing from it. I feel like I go to pray and I still feel nothing. I come to church and I still feel nothing. I feel like I'm just not being used by God for anything. We can feel stuck in so many ways. And during this pandemic, right, it can be so easy to just feel stuck and hopeless. And so which leads to our first point of two, has your stuck caused you to miss Christ? Has your stuck caused you to miss Christ? So the thing I want to point out here, when Jesus walks up on this man who's waiting for 38 years, the thing that also stands out to me is these crowds of people also waiting at this pool. And what's so crazy to me is that they're waiting at this pool, right, that they're expecting to heal them and really get them going. They don't even realize that they've had the Messiah in their midst that can fix everything. They're so focused on what they think will get them there they don't even realize what's behind them that can really get them there. These, uh, it was, I would say it's like a blindness had come over these people at the pool. They were there, and there was Christ who could heal them, but not a single one of them looked towards him. Their eyes were fixed on the water, expecting it to be troubled by those angels, right? They were so taken up with their own chosen way that the true way was neglected. They were so caught up in just like, man, okay, if this is it, this is it, this has to be it, and not looking nowhere else. So caught up in their situation, they couldn't look elsewhere for a different solution. And I think about this passage in Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verses 4 through 5. And it states, farmers who wait for perfect weather never plant. If they watch every cloud, they never harvest. Just as you cannot understand the path of the wind or the mystery of a tiny baby growing in its mother's womb, so you cannot understand the activity of God who does all things. Right? It's a powerful scripture to me. And the thing is, are we not like those people at the pool at times? Do we not get so caught up and are stuck, we miss out on what God is doing or what he is trying to do? And sometimes we don't even realize that he's doing something because we're just like, man, just, just look at my life right now. Look at it. Look how stuck I am. Look how messed up I am. And so the thing is, we sit there and we wait. We say, you know what? Hey, I'll wait for everything to be just right. When everything lines up the way it needs to line up, that's when I'll do it. When my career is where I need it to be, that's when I'll follow God, right? That's when I'll finally focus on him. When my family is where it needs to be, that's when I'll do it. When my life is set up the way I need it to be set up, when I get that car, when I get that spouse, whatever it may be, right, when I get that degree, that's when I'll finally know where I need to be. 
We wait for these convenient times, a convenient season. We wait for some dreams or visions to be brought to us. We think the clouds are going to open up one day and God's going to finally tell us what to do or we're going to get a burning bush like Moses. And the thing is, it doesn't really work that way. Those are very special moments. Um, and I know you were probably told you were special growing up, but I don't know if those special moments are going to be told are going to happen to you. I don't know if you're going to even get a blade of grass speaking to you from God. Um, and so we just sit there and we wait, just like those people at that pool waiting for it to bubble up one day, saying eventually I'll get in there and then that's when I'll be healed. Once I get in this water, that's when I'll be taken care of. And God, Jesus, they're just kind of, hey, right here, right here. And you're like, ah, ah. I'm waiting here at this pool. Well, I'm going to get in there one day. 38 years later, no, no, I'm going to get in there. It's going to happen. I'm going to figure it out. Don't worry. And we, get, we just get so caught up, and we miss them. And so we get caught up in this false gospel that tells us to wait for some impression, wait for some particular feeling one day, wait for that spiritual high that you'll get one day, and then that's when you can do it. We even look at certain people that way. We say, one day I'll talk to them. Maybe when they bring up Jesus one day, I'll talk to them. Yeah, I can talk to them about sports. Yeah, I can talk to them about food. I can talk to them about politics. I can talk to them about anything. But uh, talking to them about Jesus, uh, that's a bit much, right? We wait for that convenient time when they decide to bring it up, right? And that's the case. It shouldn't be that way. We shouldn't look at people and say, well, eventually they'll get open, right? That's how it works, right? That's what Jesus preached to us. And it's like, that's not the case. When our Lord gave us his commission, he said, go in the world and make disciples of all nations. He didn't tell them to wait in their unbelief and wait for something great. He didn't tell them to be diligent in prayer or go read their word and wait for a better feeling one day. He said, go out and do it. Rely on me, but you got to go out. You got to actively seek this. You just sitting there waiting for the perfect time, you're going to be sitting there all day. You're never going to get unstuck, and you're never going to change. This is what God's gospel is in Isaiah 45, verse 22. Isaiah 45, verse 22, it states, Turn to me and be saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. That is God's gospel. Waiting at the pool, that's man's gospel and has destroyed thousands. God's gospel is turned to me. Stop looking over there. Stop looking over there. Stop looking at that person. Stop looking at this. Stop going to your social media to be unstuck. I'm not saying you can't have social media, but a lot of times we go to there saying, maybe if I vent long enough or maybe if I look at this long enough, then I'll finally get unstuck. Once I do that, I'll get unstuck. And I see it. I see so many people, so many different things out there, just in the media itself, that people run to, hoping that, okay, this will finally get me unstuck. And I see it all the time. You see those people on the social media. I see the YouTubers, right, when they have their big apologies or they're crying about something, like, you know, hey, I'm going to, hey, no toxic people in my life 2021, right, or whatever, right? And it's like, well, maybe you just keep choosing the wrong people and you wouldn't have this toxicity in your life, wow. right? Maybe if you finally went towards Jesus and looked towards him to be saved, you wouldn't have this toxic life in you. You wouldn't keep choosing the wrong things in life. God said, turn to me and be saved. That's the only way. And so the question to ask is, have you been actively seeking God or are you still waiting at the pool? 
Have you been actively seeking God? Are you still waiting at the pool? Uh, And there's somebody I want to share about. Luckily, he's not here. His name is Emilio, so don't tell him I shared anything good about him. He may get a bit prideful. Um, But Emilio was somebody who we constantly would get, um, you know, getting time with and, you know, feeling like that blood, that eh, during this whole pandemic and just like, man, just feeling stuck. And the thing is, right, Emilio can make it just, you know, what, like, hey, I'm just focused on my swimming, games, whatever, right? Uh, But the thing is, when me and him would get together, he was always like, hey, man, Jamal, you know what? I think we should do like a team Bible talk on Mondays, you know, so that way we can reach out to our friends. Because anytime I talk about my friends about Wednesdays, they say they're busy for some reason. So maybe Mondays they're free, right? Or he's bringing up always different ideas for him to grow, but also for him to help other people grow. That's what, it, and that encourages me, right? This, uh, I think he's 15. Yeah, 15. I think something like that. Um, um, and just actively trying to find ways, right, that he can seek God and help other people do it. He could have just sat there, been stuck, and just said, you know what, I'm going to just wait for Jamal to tell me what to do. I'm going to just wait for Jamal to give me an idea or wait for my parents to tell me something. Instead, he said, no, I got I to gotta do something. I can't wait for the perfect time. I, I got to make time. I can't wait for one day for my friends to say, hey, you know what, I'm free on Wednesday. You know what, hey, let's try Monday then. You can't be busy every day, <laughs> um, right? You can't be busy every day. So, and those are just different. That's just something that stands out to me. But there's just different ways that we can go after actively seeking God instead of just waiting at the pool. All right. And so the thing is, some of us might be saying, hey, I've been waiting at the pool lately, and what can I do? Well, Jesus walks up on us and sees the condition we've been in for a very long time. But there's hope because Jesus doesn't just walk past us, nor does he walk past that man. Instead, Jesus walks up and asks, do you want to get well? Right? So picking back up, right, John 5, 7 through 8, when he asked that question to him, Sir, the disabled man answered, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I'm coming, someone goes down ahead of me. Get up, Jesus told him. Pick up your mat and walk. Instantly, the man got well, picked up his mat, and started to walk. And so the second and our final point here is do you really want to get well? Do you really want to get well? Because we have Jesus talking here to this man, and he asked him a question, and the answer seems so obvious to us, into this man. And the thing is, right, the man doesn't even really give him a straight yes or no. He just gives him excuses. He's just like, hey, yeah, God, hey, Jesus, I hear what you're saying. Or, well, he doesn't even know he's Jesus. He just says, hey, I hear what you're saying, dude, whatever. But, dude, I've been trying at this for a long time, and I ain't never got in. And the thing is, I don't know what those efforts look like, right? I don't know. I'm like, man, you can't convince nobody to just throw you in there like nobody was trying to help you. And, I mean, I guess he was surrounded by other disabled people, so maybe it was every man for himself out there. I don't know, right? He could have done something. In my mind, I'm like, man, this could have been some way he could have got in there, but I don't know. Uh, But the thing that interests me about this man is that he was an interesting case of hope combined with hopelessness. He had hope, or he would have never came to that pool of Bethesda in the first place to get healed. But yet, once he was there, he had little hope to be the favorite one to win the healing that day. Um, he arrived there, but then he convinces himself that he can never get well. He will forever stay stuck in that position. And the thing is, I think about us. Do we have, we come with that little hope, right? We come to church, we pray, we read our word, and we say, this is it. This is that day. I'm going to change it this day. 
But then once we hit that real world, we're like, I can't do it. I can't do it. Like, you know, I'm like, man, I said I was going to do this, but, man, bills, life, family, school, I just can't do it, God. And then we come back again Sunday, like, this is it, this is it, I'm going to do it, I am going to change. We hit the real world again Monday, or some of us, once we leave from the building right from here, I can't do it. Until one day we say, 38 years later, like, man, God, I try every time. Every time I leave Sunday and I say I'm going to change, and I never do. Other people can do it, but not me. And that's, I think, where a lot of us can be. We can be combined with hope and hopelessness at the same time, just like this man. Um, and so the thing is, I, what, what I see here a lot of times, even for us, is, man, we can tend to limit God's help to our own ideas, right? I think for a lot of us, following Jesus seems great. Following Jesus seems like the surefire thing to do, but it's hard to believe he is who he says he is. It's hard to believe. It's like, man, are you really that divine, Jesus? Are you really that powerful? Really, you can solve all of this in my life. All these things that is going on in my life, you can really take care of all this. Because, man, I'm dealing with a lot. I'm dealing with sick family. I mean, my kids aren't listening to me. My wife, my husband, they're not listening to me. I keep trying to build relationships, and they're just not building. I keep going to your word, and I just don't feel like I'm changing. Are you sure, God, you are who you are? Are you sure, Jesus, you're that powerful? Are you sure you're the Savior and the Lord like you say you are? I think a lot of times we can doubt his power to our own ideas. Because since we feel powerless, it's like, well, he has to be powerless. We can limit him to our standard a lot of times. And... And so that's the power behind what Jesus is saying when he's saying, man, do you want to get well? He's not only asking, do you want to get well? He's asking, do you believe I can make you well? Do you really believe that? Because that's where it starts is do we believe that Jesus has that divine power to make us and others well? Because when you think about it, right, when he's asking us and asking his man, do you want to get well? It's more than just a physical thing as we read further down when Jesus approaches him again. It's more than just a physical health. It's about his mental and his spiritual as well. Because I think for a lot of people, if you ask them, do they want to be saved? A lot of people say, of course, I don't want to go to hell. And the thing is, not going to hell, that's not the thing about being saved. That's, you know, that's what comes with being saved. But when Jesus is asking, do you want to be saved? He's saying, do you want to give up the desires of your life? Do you want to give up the way you believe about life right now? Do you want to give up the sin in your life? Do you want to give up your lust, your idols, your, your uh, belief system, your politics? Do you want to give these things up, your insecurities, your bad habits, your anger, your unwholesome talk, your selfishness, and your greed? Do you want to be saved? That's what he's asking. Do you really want to be saved from all of that in your life? Because that's what it's going to have to take for you to get well. I'm going to have to remove these things and add this instead for you to get well. That's what he's asking us. That's what he's asking this man. And so I think about that because, man, when I hear that, I remember how challenged I was back then, but I get challenged about that now. Because if you don't know me, I'm a very pessimistic person. Um, Which, again, that's why when Marty was talking about the positive things, I'm like, man, yeah, I need to focus on that. Because I can be very negative. I just see everything that's bad. I feel like, man, no, ain't nobody trying to follow Jesus out here. Everyone's just doing their own little thing. What's the point of life, right? 
Um, what, what are we doing out here? I could just feel just negative, just about anything, whatever it may be. I just feel like, man, the world's just in a downward spiral. God, just please end it all. Uh, and, and that's what I have to struggle with because it could be, God could be like, hey, Jamal, you got to give that up. And I'm like, no, the world's so bad, God. I don't want to give this up. It's so bad. I don't want to give it up. But you got to. I have to. I even think about back when I was studying and I was being challenged on being part of the body. Like, because just large crowds of people just aren't my cup of tea, right? Just large crowds of people. And the thing is, I realized, like, man, okay, if I'm going to be part of this, that means I really got to be involved in people's lives. And that's exhausting to me. You know, talking to people, that can drain a lot for me. Maybe not for some of you guys, but people are draining to me. And so then I was just like, man, like, if I do this, that means I got to be involved in people's lives, and they also got to be involved in mine. Oh, no. Yeah, it's like, yeah, like, that, that's uncomfortable. I don't want to be uncomfortable. I like my comfort. And God's like, yo, you got to give that up. If you really want to get well, you got to give that up. And so these are just different things. It's just like, man, like, that's what Jesus is stating to us. Stop waiting at this pool. Stop staring at that. If you really want to get well, he says, the only answer is me. And so the things we have to ask ourselves is, are you willing to give up the sin that is close to your heart? Are you willing to give up the sin that is close to your heart? And also, do you really believe that Jesus can make you and others well? Do you really believe that Jesus can make you and others well? No, there you go. (laughs) And so in Matthew 11, Jesus states, in Matthew 11, verses 28 through 30, then Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. I love that verse because everything Jesus is saying, he's saying like, hey, I know you don't got that. I have it. I know you got the heavy burdens. Don't worry, mine's just light. Maybe you're not so humble and gentle. Don't worry, I am. You find rest with me. Everything you're looking for, yeah, you can't do it outside of me. And we come to him, but God, I don't have this. I know, that's why I want you here. It's like, Jesus, I don't have any of the. That's it. You need to know you can't sustain without me. And I even think here in Mark 9, verses 20 through 24. So they brought the boy, but when the evil spirit saw Jesus, it threw the child into a violent convulsion, and he fell to the ground, writhing and foaming at the mouth. How long has this been happening, Jesus asked the boy's father. He replied, since he was a little boy. The spirit often throws him into the fire or into the water, trying to kill him. Have mercy on us and help us if you can. What do you mean? If I can, Jesus asked, anything is possible if a person believes. The father instantly cried out, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. I love that verse. First of all, I love it when Jesus be talking that talk. He's like, if I can. (laughs) Do you know who I am? I just imagine him looking him up and down like, if I can. What? Someone get this man here. Uh, Right? And he's like, man, if anything anything is possible, if you believe. And that man says, yes, you know what? I do believe. Help me overcome this unbelief. And I think a lot of times we approach Jesus with that. Well, I mean, Jesus, you can help me. I mean, if you can. It's like, if I can, do you believe or not? Do you need to believe if I can change your life or not? 
do you believe if I can get you out of this situation or not? He's called, Jesus calls those who sense they must come to him to relieve their need instead of living in self-sufficiency. We have to go to Jesus to overcome our unbelief about our lives, our future, and those who we think are unreachable. So to close out here in John chapter 5, 8 through 16, it states, Get up, Jesus told him. Pick up your mat and walk. Instantly, the man got well, picked up his mat and started to walk. Now that day was the Sabbath. And so the Jew said to the man who had been healed, This is the Sabbath? The law prohibits you from picking up your mat. He replied, The man who made me well told me, Pick up your mat and walk. Who is this man who told you? pick up your mat and walk, they asked. But the man who was healed did not know who it was because Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. After this, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, see, you are well. Do not sin anymore so that something worse doesn't happen to you. The man went and reported to the Jews that it was Jesus who made him well. Therefore, the Jews began persecuting Jesus because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. So there's a lot more to glean from this passage here. And as we close out here, I think the thing that stands out to me as well is that after this man gets healed, he doesn't even ask Jesus for his name, doesn't even tell him, ask what type of man he is, doesn't ask to follow him or get to know him. He, you know, maybe in the midst of excitement, man, he was just like, man, I'm walking, I'm out of here. And started running, maybe taking some laps or something, right? Um, and so he gets found by, or I say found, but they see him and like, this man has been disabled for 38 years, what's up with that? And the thing is, once he finds Jesus again, Jesus seeks him out again, and Jesus says like, hey, you're well, right? So stop sinning now. Stop living that life that you're living. You see now what I can do for you. And, you know, you think that man will be like, all right, let me go follow Jesus. I mean, I don't know how the story ends for him, but right here he just goes back and, you know, reports Jesus to the Jews and whatever. So hopefully he got the message. Hopefully he did. Hopefully he got the message. I don't know. Right? But the thing to see here, right, and maybe you're asking, hey, you know, where are the practicals at, Jamal, to achieve trusting in Jesus the way it is? Um, And I can't tell you there's this magic formula. Because the thing is, the answer is really believing and trusting who Jesus says he is and acting on it. Um, The thing is, you can start picking up your Bible, right? And start saying, you know what, I'm really going to take this to heart. If Jesus is who he says he is, I'm going to live out what this says. And if he is who he says he is, I'm going to make it my priority to read this. I'm not going to wait for my family. I'm not going to wait for my disciple or someone to tell me. I'm going to make it my priority to get in his word and find out who this man really is. When I pray, I'm going to pray with him with an open heart. I'm not just going to pray when it's time to eat or when I'm going to bed. I'm going to pray consistently throughout the day. I'm going to pray to him consistently and really put my heart out there to really believe and trust in him. And so these are the things that we need to do. We even need to believe, you know what, I'm going to start conversations or start building relationships with people who I think I could never reach because I know Jesus can reach them. I know I can't, But Jesus can if I truly believe who he says he is, that anybody is reachable and that they can sustain their life in him. And so I just share that with you because, you know, today you might be feeling stuck like this last image right here. Um, You might be feeling like Kenan right there, right? Um, And so I, I ask you today, are you tired of being stuck? Are you sick and tired of being sick and tired? Have you been waiting at the pool still? And do you know others as well that have been doing the same? Today, if you really want to go after Jesus, 
or there are others you know that you can help speak Christ into. And if you believe that Jesus is actually our Lord and Savior and you really want to get well, then in the words of Jesus, pick up your mat and walk. Thank you. Thank you.